Good morning, everybody. Everybody good? You happy? You blessed? Well, two things this morning. You're going to laugh and you're going to smile. And you're going to say amen. This will be a participation required service, amen? I want to, uh, I'll tell you that uh, it was a challenge for me to uh, get here from Michigan. And uh, I've been in Michigan for the last 12 days on business. I go back, I leave for the airport right after this to go back up. And it's a, it's a, about a five-week period that I spend up there. Uh, and God just blesses us tremendously, uh, you know, during that time. But I was on a 835 flight coming down here. And um, it was delayed. It was delayed again. It was delayed again, and then again. And then the flight finally came in that we were supposed to get on, and the pilot of that flight came on the intercom and said, uh, the co-pilot took ill while we were in flight, and we were the pilots that were supposed to fly your plane, and it looks like by the time we get another pilot, my time will have expired. So good luck, everybody, you know. I'm going to pause right there, and I'm going to read to you (laughs) the word of the Lord through Dr. Savell on May 23rd, and I was actually in this service. It's a new season of my favor being poured out upon my people, says the Lord. A time of unprecedented favor, favor like you've never experienced before. And with it, new doors will open, doors that no man will be able to shut. New opportunities to prosper will suddenly manifest. You will know that, I could, you will know that I'm the only one that can make this happen. And yes, along with this unprecedented favor will also come an outpouring of my goodness. So many good things will happen to and for you that you'll hardly be able to keep up with it all. And that's been happening. That's been happening. God is already doing a new thing in the earth. Shall you not know it? And many will see and say, how is all this happening in such a time as this? When others are having the worst of times, you'll be having the best of times. But just stay in faith and watch and see. It will happen for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Yes, you are people that will see what other generations... This is why, oh man. Yes, you are a people that will see what other generations before you could only hope to see. I'll say it again. The favor that you will experience will be unprecedented. It will be wonderful And it will be incomparable. So lift your hands, lift your voices, shout unto God, and boldly declare that the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. We declare that the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Give Him a shout of praise this morning. 
So I was sitting there in the airport and asking the Lord, Lord, what should I do? And he said, you need to uh, get on that 3.30 flight and tell them you want to be on standby for this one. That was scheduled now for 140. So I called in, which is what you're supposed to do. I called in and I said, I want to get on that 3.30 flight. She goes, oh, there's one seat left. So she's, she's typing, you know, it's like they type, 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 type. What are they typing? I don't know. But they just keep typing. And so she, she comes on and she goes, you know, there's one seat left. Oh, nope, there it goes. So okay. She goes, you need to go to the counter that's probably in the terminal. I said, yeah, I know where that's at. So I went down. It's about 10 gates down. And, went to the, and so there were two people in front of me, a husband and a wife. The wife was at the counter. There were four of them, and they were trying to get on the 330 flight as well. Well, I already knew there was one seat left. And so there, she goes, she says, well, I got you four seats on the 610 flight, but there's only one seat on the 330 flight. And the husband says to the wife, well, honey, do you want to take that 330 flight, maybe get the rental car and have everything prepared? And that way, when we come in at 6 o'clock, at 8 o'clock, really, then, you know, you'll have everything ready and we can all go. And so I hear this, and I said, Lord, what are we going to do here? So anyway, uh, I sit there for a while, and I said, Lord, uh, what are we going to do? And, and the, uh, she goes, the, the wife goes, yeah, book me on the 330. Book me on the 330. And I go... Just sit back and let the Lord work here. About a minute goes by, and this lady's booking her. She goes, well, we have to do it now. You have to decide right now. She said, book me. The husband goes, you know, honey? He goes, hey, where are you going? You going to to Dallas? I said, yes. He goes, you trying to get on that 330 flight? I said, yes. (laughs) I said, I've been up here on business. And he goes, "You you have a family? I said, yes. He said, are they in Dallas? I said, yes. (laughs) Well, honey, wouldn't you rather our family all stay together and you let this guy who's single that has a family in Dallas get on the 330 flight and us all stay together? I said, yes. (laughs) So she goes, well, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you, you should take that flight and you should get home to your family. That's the kind of stuff that God is doing all over the earth. But shall you not know it? David said, I would have lost heart unless I believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In other words, I I would have given up hope. You know, there's a lot of Christians today that have... Maybe not lost hope altogether, but they've lost hope. And they're asking questions. Christians are asking questions. Where is God in all this stuff that is going on in the earth today? But David lived in a time where people were trying to kill, literally kill him. And he said, I would have lost heart or I would have been in despair or lost hope. Had I not believed, I would see God's goodness. In other words, he had seen God's goodness in his life before. 
And he had testified before King Saul and before Goliath, the same God that was with me that killed the lion, the same God that was with me that helped me kill the bear. It's the same God that's with me today. In other words, he was rehearsing the goodness of God that he had seen in his life. And he goes on to say, it's interesting, that he goes on to say, wait on the Lord. The next verse. Be of good courage. And then he says it again. I say, wait on the Lord. Many people think that this is a negative word. Wait. Patience. Wait. But waiting is not something that is giving up your faith to believe, but waiting is a settling in your heart that what God said will come to pass. You have settled this in your heart that God's promises to you will come to pass. Why? Because God said it and you believe it. At 4.30 the next morning, on May the 24th, I was awakened. We were in Ros- uh, Roswell, Georgia. And Dr. Savell had given this word. I was awakened at 4.30 a.m. and began to pray. And I said, it's 4.30. Lord, it's 4.30. <laughs> well, we get to the service that night. And Dr. Savell says these words. At 4.30 a.m., a word of the Lord came to me. He said this, You're about to enter into a new realm of supernatural favor, and because of it, I will turn what your adversary meant for bad into something good. There's a lot of bad things that are happening in the earth today. But God said that he will turn the things that are meant for bad for our good. Supernatural intervention is headed your way and I'm going to make some things happen for you that you aren't capable of making happen yourself. I'll say it again. New doors are about to open for you that will bring new opportunities for you to prosper. Divine appointments. Say that with me. Divine appointments are being arranged for you that you are that that are designed to assist you in going to a higher level where your quality of life is concerned in other words divine appointment means that you are going to be in the right place at the right time turn to your neighbor and say you're going to be in the right place at the right time He goes on to say, yes, your set time has come. So rejoice in the Lord your God and forever praise his name. Why? Because your set time has come. There is a turning, a turning of what the adversary meant for evil, for good. In the sports world, we call this a game changer. We call this a momentum switcher. And he goes on to say, and never forget 
then I'm not going to allow you to fail. And remember this, that your future, say my future, future. is in my hands, God's hands. And therefore, your future is bright. Can you give the Lord praise for that this morning? He says, your set time has come. Well, I got to meditating on that set time. You know, the Bible talks about set times. And let's look at one of them in, the, in uh, Exodus chapter 8 this morning. When the Lord has said there's a set time of something that the Lord is going to do, there is nothing or no one that can stop it. It is a divine intervention. It is an intervention through the natural realm with God being a supernatural creator, overriding the natural and intervening in our behalf. You should have said that man a lot louder than that. So Exodus chapter 8, verse 22, it says, And in that day, so there was a specific day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall there be, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. So God had heard the cries of His people. He had sent Moses as a deliverer to get them out of Egypt as they were enslaved. And they went through a couple of these plagues that God had said, Pharaoh, if you don't let my people go, these things are what's going to happen. But after going through a few of these, God said, enough is enough. Now, I'm going to set apart my people. And my people will no longer experience what the worldly people or the Egyptians in in this case are going to experience. There will be two vastly different experiences that people will have. There will be one that experiences plagues. There will be another that experiences the open hand of God. Everybody look at me. It's all right. And so he said, I will set apart that land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarm of flies shall be there. Verse 23. I will make a difference between my people and your people. In other words, I will make a difference between... God's people and the people of the world that are not God's people. And then he says this, tomorrow this sign shall be. What would you do if you knew that tomorrow that God would set apart His people That they would experience something different than the people of the world. What would you do? How would you act? What would you say? (laughs) It's a word from the Lord. It's a word from the Lord. 
So any word from God, whether it be in His written word or through His prophets. I want to pause right here. I'd like to say that the apostle prophet over this house has gone all over the world, has had 53-year track record of words that have come to pass. There are many self-proclaimed prophets in the land. And the reason why this is important for us to understand that we must have a discerning a discerning spirit to know which prophets we follow and which ones that we don't. It's not that they may be bad people. But I don't follow a prophet just because I like what he has to say. There was a prophet uh, over, uh, what was his name, Mikhail? And the, the king said, well, there's one, there's one prophet of God. But, and the king said, I don't like him. He never prophesies anything that I like. <laughs> so we must be discerning in this day. Because Satan is very sneaky and, and someone can be deceived in thinking that they're telling the truth. But Satan twists and turns the word so it's so subtle that unless you have a discerning spirit, you may not pick up on it. It says in the last days that even the very elect will be deceived. Okay, we're back to Exodus chapter 8. Let's go to chapter 9, verse 3. Behold, the hand of God will be on your cattle, your horses, your donkeys, your camels, your oxen, your sheep. A very severe pestilence, verse 4. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die. Say nothing. Of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Why your car goes further on a tank of gas is, is going to blow people's minds in the world. And the Lord, verse 5, appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow, the Lord will do this thing in the land. What land is it? The land of the living. That David said, I believe I'll see the goodness of God in. It's Isaiah 60 where he says, Arise and shine for your light has come. In other words, what he's saying is, Arise and shine for this is your set time in the earth. That generations before us only wished they could see. Do you understand the, the, the scale, the magnificence of what this is? That we're the end times people that will usher in, I believe, usher in the second coming of Christ. That we will see Him. The trumpet shall sound. The dead in Christ will rise. Those who are alive and remain, that's us, will meet Him in the air. And forever we will be with Him. 
And if you're not looking to that day, you're looking to the wrong things because that's where we're headed. Paul said, you're forgetting those, or forgetting those things which are behind, but I press on to the heavenly prize. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. People may turn their back on God, but it shall not come near me because I've settled in my heart that God is my God. I've settled that in my heart and I know him as my God and I know who I am in him. But the enemy would try to distort that so that you don't know who you are in God. So that you don't know what you're capable of in him. So that you don't know the authority and the dominion that he has given man since the beginning of time. And God made man in his image. In the image of God, he made man in his likeness. You know what the word likeness means? The same as or sameness. A replica. To do what? To do business in the earth. To do business. It said in John that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And so when we talk about righteousness and righteousness being defined as God making things right and we are the righteousness of God, then our mission should be to make things right what is wrong. Since the beginning of the time where we were to subdue, have dominion, to to spread this this, uh, this gospel all over the world to affect our world and the influence that we have. But Satan's going to try to disrupt that image. And he, in fact, in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord says to Abram, get out of your country. I will bless you, make you a great nation. Make your name great. It shall be a blessing. I'll bless those that bless you. Curse those that curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This was a word from God to Abram. A word from God to Abram. That he will what? Bless him. That in him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Could Abram have imagined that himself? Yes or no? Most people can't think like that, think that big. Because in our natural state, we are limited. Let me go over here. Let me see if anybody understands. Like, in our natural state, we are limited. But when you become born again, you become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And that means that if you believe with God, all come on, things are possible. All things are possible. And so the sky's the limit. So he says, so he says to Abram in chapter 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Verse 1. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. You're exceedingly great reward. 
But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? So God had a word to Abram. In you all the families of the earth will be blessed. The father of many nations. You'll be a blessing in the earth. And some time had passed. Some time had passed. And the Lord appeared back to him and said, uh, I'm your exceedingly great reward. Abram said, Yeah, you remember you promised me? So, naturally, we're, we're childless. So we don't, we don't really see what you promised. So, in his logic and reasoning, he says... The, the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So in that culture, if you were childless, then the senior slave, which is who this was, would now be the heir. Do you know that God doesn't need your natural solutions to the words that he's promised? We are so smart, aren't we? (laughs) And so Abram said, look, you give me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And so he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So what was he doing? He was changing the image that Abram had from within. He was removing natural limitations. And saying that with me, you, if you believe all things are possible, this is what I have for you. So he said, look at the stars. Look. So Abram will go out, look at the stars. Wow. In me, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Look, every time he's doing this, he's getting a picture. He's seeing the unseen, which is walking by faith. For the things that can be seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So he's getting an eternal perspective in him. You know, we're going to live forever with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's trying to get us to understand that we can live supernaturally on this earth now. So he goes out and he looks. Every time he looks at the stars, that's my descendants right there. What's happening? He's, faith is working. Working. It's working. And he believed. Say, I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. Say, I can have what God says I can have. I can do what he says I can do. And I am what he says I am. Chapter 17. 
So Abram was 99 years old. Oh, wow. Some more time had passed. Some more time had passed. We skipped over the story of how Ishmael was born because in Sarah's logic and reasoning, we don't want to go childless. The Lord's word hasn't come to pass after all. So maybe this is what God meant for us to do. So God appeared before him, the Lord appeared before him and said to him, I am almighty God, verse 1, walk before me and be blameless. This word blameless, if you study this out in the Hebrew, it's the same word that's used in James where he says, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and Complete, lacking nothing. So all this time, God had been working in Abram something of completeness. See, it's during these times where something like a pandemic reveals where we really are. Now, we're coming out of this. We're coming out of this, but there were, there were many, many, many people without hope, in fear. But God all along, even with the Israelites when they came out of Egypt, was trying to get them to realize that their total trust and dependence had to be in Him. Because this world system is failing. And it will continue to fail. But God says He won't allow us to fail. But if I'm hooked into the world system, and that's where my faith is. You know, that's what faith is anyway. Total trust and dependence in Him. Because He's got sources that you haven't even thought of. Your job is not your source. It is a means that God uses to supply your need. My gosh, I supply all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's a means which he uses to supply for you. But it is not, he is not limited to that and neither are you. So he's trying to get us to disconnect from the world system. I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about the way the world thinks. It's very popular right now to say, what's your world view? Oh, we're so enlightened and progressive these days when we're talking about the world view. Well, I think, well, in my opinion, and everybody's got a, got a pulpit 
on D Facebook, I mean Facebook, <laughs> to say whatever they want, to puke on everybody. <laughs> I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. And then God's holy pulpit is once a week for an hour and a half. But people spend hours listening to other prophets on Facebook giving us their worldview. How enlightened are we all? Pardon my sarcasm this morning. Where was I anyway? (laughs) So he says, walk before me blameless. My covenant is with you. You shall be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram. It shall be Abraham. For I've made you the father of many nations. So watch this. Verse 16. Now let's talk about your wife. I will bless her and also give her a son by you. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of many nations. A word from God. Verse 18. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Hi, Karumba. What are we going back to? Natural solutions. Abraham, I mean this like with the utmost respect, you know. I mean, it's written here, so. And so God said, no, Sarah. Sarah. You'll have a son, you'll call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him. Look at verse 21. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. But all along, God's working. God's working all along. It wasn't that he wasn't doing anything And something was working in Abram, and something was working in Sarah. Go to chapter 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah, and and as he had said, say that, as he has said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, At the set time of which God had spoken. God did this for a number of people where he was trying to get in them an image of his likeness, an image of his sameness so that they thought like him, talked like him, walked like him acted like him. He did it with Gideon. You got too many. I want you to lead this army. Yeah, but Lord, 
I'm the weakest in my clan. You're a mighty man of valor. What is that? The God image of Gideon that he had for Gideon. You're a mighty man of valor. It's a picture that he was painting on the inside of Gideon. Why? So he could fulfill the call of God on his life and the purpose of what God had for him to do. His assignment. You can't fulfill your assignment with a distorted image. You need a God image. Not even a natural image will get it done for you as talented as you may be. You need a God image because a God image will, will eliminate. <laughs> Hallelujah. A God image will eliminate all the obstacles, all the barriers. And it says all things are possible because I believe. James chapter 1, I'll start to close here. James chapter 1, verse, uh, put it in the Passion Translation, if you will. James chapter 1, verse 23. James chapter 1, verse 23. If you listen to the Word, so we're talking about a word from God, but also the written word of God. It's not just a book. It's not just a book. It's the word of God to me and to you. If you listen to the word of God and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the Word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. Bring that up, please. You stand here. You stand here. Next verse. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the Word. But then, you go out and forget your divine origin. In other words, some time passes. Sometimes it's right in the parking lot. (laughs) And so this is a mirror. Hold it up just a little bit. Yes. (laughs) Make sure we get this on camera, guys. Good camera shot here. This is our natural mirror. <laughs> As you can see, I'm wearing a yellow tie. A suit, a nice pinstripe suit that was custom-made suit that somebody in the back says you look like a blueberry. <laughs> Which brings me to this point. There will be haters. So this is what we can see. This is the natural mirror. This is our our logic, our reasoning. 
the realm of what is seen. I've got gray hair. We won't talk about the rest. (laughs) But this mirror, oh, is a distorted version of that mirror and of the mirror of the Word of God. And so this mirror says, yeah, you've got gray hair. You know, Phil Pollard doesn't have any gray hair, and he's the same age as you. And he says that he doesn't have gray hair because he speaks to his hair. So he's got more faith than you. So this is my worldview. Like when you go to the fair, you know, you've got your face all contorted and Turn to somebody and make a funny face, will you? <laughs> so I, I could be tall. In this mirror, I could be tall. I could be skinny. I could be fat. I can be pretty. I can be... You can be whatever, whatever you want to be. <laughs> as long as you feel. So this mirror is filled with harsh words. You'll never amount to anything. You're a loser. You've lost from the beginning. You're from the other side of the tracks. Your family was poor. You'll always be poor. You're nothing. You're nobody. So then what happens is, when I go back to the natural mirror, the words from the distorted mirror are in my mind. I am such a loser. I'm a nobody. Maybe I am just crazy. This mirror wants to distort the mirror of the Word of God. Terry Miner. Come here. I want you to hold the mirror of the Word of God. So what I have to do as a natural man is I have to find out what this mirror says. Because this mirror can affect this mirror as well. In fact, if you're a new creation and you're a Christian and you're made in the image of God, this mirror should be the mirror that this mirror lines up to. And so what does this mirror say? It says we walk by faith, not by sight. It says things that can be seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It says I'm an overcomer. It says I'm the righteous. It says I'm prosperous. I'm blessed. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. There's no limits. And it's in this mirror. 
It's when I looked in this mirror that God's plans were revealed to me. When I looked in this mirror, the mysteries of the kingdom came to life when I looked in this mirror. And even though he had called me when I was an eight-year-old boy and showed me visions of where I would go all over the world, and I had buried that way down deep, he brought it back up as I began to search in the mirror of the Word of God. And so, where'd you go, Terry? You are holding the most important mirror. (laughs) This mirror says, if it feels right, do it. This mirror says that this mirror is old, fuddy-duddy, old-school stuff. And that this mirror is more enlightened. This mirror is woke. I like that. Killing life isn't murder. It's your choice. So this distorts this. So what must we do? Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. It says my old identity, which is this one, has been co-crucified with Christ. And it no longer lives. When I, when I came to Jesus, Eric died and Jesus lived. So the plans that I wanted, that I schemed up. You know, you can't just do what you want to do. You can't. That's wrong. We must get into the perfect law of liberty. What what does that mean? It means, liberty means that you are free from slavery. The Israelites, even though they came out of Egypt, they still thought like slaves. And they said, Moses, have you brought us out here to kill us? Because they were so used to their reliance and dependence being in a man and in a system. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. God was trying to work with a cloud by day, a fire by night, split the Red Sea, water from a rock to show them your soul dependence has got to be in me. So there are some things that we must do so that we rid ourselves of this mirror. Romans chapter 12 
in the message translation. And as he's putting that up, Colossians chapter 3 says this, I have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, listen, according to the image of him who created him. I put that man on every day. Who is, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him. We are created in the image of God. In God, there is no darkness. In God, we walk in love because he is love. We are created in His image to be a replica of Him. The Passion Translation says, For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you. Giving you the full revelation of God. You know He loves you. Oh, He loves us. Oh, He loves us. Oh my goodness, I just remembered something. Go to Psalm chapter 8 in the Passion Translation. Oh, I'll get excited about this one. In this new creation life, your nationality, wait, listen to me. You got that ready, don't put it up yet, but get it ready. Psalm chapter 8. I'm getting excited right now, can you tell? I got my little sway going. In this new creation life, this is Colossians 3, verse 10 in the Passion. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference. Nor your ethnicity. Nor your education. Nor your economic status. They matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as He lives in every one of us. The message says from now on, Everyone is identified by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. (laughs) All right, you got that? Psalm chapter 8. Passion translation. Verse 2. Verse 3. 4. 5. Yet what honor you have given to men. Created a little lower than Elohim, which means God. So let me help you with something. God, man, Satan. Crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. Next, you have, <laughs> you have delegated to them mastery over all you have made, making everything subservient to their authority. That's, that's who you are. That's what God thinks about you. Placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. Hallelujah. Where do I find all that out? This mirror right here. I am made in the image of Almighty God. I don't care what that mirror says anymore. 
In fact, I made a declaration this week. Some of y'all just think I'm just... I made a declaration this week that I will no longer care what man says about me. I have been imprisoned by man's opinion too long. And so Lester Summerall said, my happiness is not in another man's head. So if you want to be a little gossiper and a little backbiter and slanderer and talk about me, I'll talk about you down on my knees. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. <laughs> but you're going you're gonna to spend your time allowing the worldview to influence you as an image bearer of God. Here's what we need to do. Get out. In the social media world, we call it block and delete. (laughs) So put that on your Instagram. (laughs) Oh, man. But see, when I, Romans 12, Romans 12, and then we're done. Romans 12. This helped you today? Yes. Romans 12, we're in the message. Here we go. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work. You're walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Embracing what He does for you. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Oh. You shouldn't be comfortable in the world. Instead, fix your attention to God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity. See, he's developing something in us. He's developing in us right now. I may not be perfect, but I'm on my way to being perfect and complete because I've waited on him. I am settled that I am a God man and there's nothing that's going to change that. I have the ideals of God. I have the love of God. I have the mercy of God. I have the forgiveness of God. I have the healing of God. Everything that God has is on me. And so now I take this. (laughs) so now I take this and then I go over here and I remember I used to go out to the prison prison ministry and I remember standing in front of the mirror one day not feeling like a man of God about to go out to the prison to minister the word but I spent time in the perfect law of liberty that tells me who I am and that reveals the plans of God to me that's the best plan He says, 
I've called you. You're a man of God. So I go over here and I literally said, you're a man of God. 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 God's got the word for you to carry out to those people to help them. You're a man of God. So we allow this to influence us more than Satan, who we've kicked out of this church now. Amen. Give these guys a hand, will you? (laughs) Will you stand this morning? If I can get the maestro up here. There he is. If you have a call of God on your life this morning, I want you to come down. I want to pray for you. If you have a ministry, if you are a preacher, you have a call of God on your life, I want to come down.